Today's episode of School PR Drive Time is brought to you by Granicus. You're listening to School PR Drive Time. This is part two of our conversation, Lessons Learned in Crisis Communications. Now on with the interview. Welcome back to School PR Drive Time. August Vernon, the director of the Forsyth County Office of Emergency Management in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, is our guest today, here to discuss lessons learned after several decades in crisis management. August, let's talk about some of the crazy examples of some crisis situations that you've dealt with and and what communication lessons you've learned. And I bet I know which one you're going to start with because I was right there alongside you. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Well, number one, that's a tough question to answer since there are so many unique situations and events. Um, There's some we really can't go into a lot of detail. So I'll I'll talk about two incidents that were in the news and, and publicly discussed. Uh, One incident, the one that Brent's talking about, was in March of 2019, what I would call pre-COVID times, which seems forever ago. Uh, I was actually at a meeting with some executive team leaders of our school system at the school administration building. And the security director was at this meeting with us, and I, I don't even remember what we were discussing, and received an initial call that said, there was one or two kids sick in an elementary school. And we're like, hmm, okay, I'm sure that happens every day at elementary schools. Uh, meeting continues. And, you know, we did briefly discuss sick kids and then moved on with the meeting. A few minutes later, more calls started coming in that there were multiple kids sick in multiple classrooms and EMS and the fire department were in route. So obviously that changed the dynamic. We made the decision to to respond out to the school. And my, my personal experience upon arriving at the school, there were parents everywhere, cars trying to get in, sick kids outside, people throwing up outside, uh, police cars, fire trucks, and ambulances coming in. So it was very rapidly became a very concerning situation for sure. So what we did, our normal steps, we first quickly established a command post which we'll always do uh, at any major incident at the school. And we had all our representatives, representatives of all the agencies there, including the school system. Uh, the entire school was then evacuated to another nearby school. We had to bring in our local hazardous material team, which certainly escalates things. Uh, because at that point, we all we knew is we had a lot of sick people. Uh, because at this point, some adults became sick. And we didn't really know if it was a gas leak, a poisoning. We just really didn't know, uh, which really was a little concerning there for a little bit. I also had to call the health director to give him a heads up. And we requested a representatives from the health department, which then triggers them calling the state health department. So you can see how this continues to grow and expand. Uh, at this point in time, we really, at that moment, really weren't sure what was happening. Um, and obviously, Parents are concerned, the staff is concerned, the media is on site, they're showing up, they're calling. They always seem to find our cell numbers, even we don't want them to have them. Um, and then at that moment, we started learning things and pieces started to come together. But, it, you know, I, I sped through that. It took a little time to start figuring this out. So I'll try to boil this down and simplify what happened. Uh, the kids, this right before this incident, this was the period after lunch. 
And again, this was a elementary school. Right before the uh, incident started at lunch, the kids either drink a concentrated fruit flavored liquid, uh, which is meant to be mixed with water. And again, this is super concentrated, one pack designed to make like a pitcher of Kool-Aid or something. Or they ate large amounts of hot and spicy flavored chips and became sick. Or they were mixing the two, the concentrated powder and the hot and spicy foods. And this was based on some of the challenges, the TikTok challenges and things like that that had happened. So those children uh, then went to their classrooms and all at the same time in multiple classrooms immediately became sick and started to vomit or feel very ill. Obviously frightening, some of the vomit was bright red, uh, which will get anyone's attention. And then other children started experiencing what is called sympathetic vomiting, which is a real thing, uh, which means they get nausea caused by the sight, smell, or sound of other students vomiting. Um, this is a little gross story, by the way. But uh, this is what started this vomiting to happening in multiple classrooms. And again, some of it was blood red, and then it just ripple effect out. And then teachers became sick. And then obviously when something like this happens, uh, anxiety will kick in for some people and, and stress will impact people differently. Uh, what we later learned through thorough investigations, uh, which did have to happen, this juice flavoring liquid was brought from home. Uh, obviously, the kids weren't supposed to have that at school. And the hot and spicy chips were both purchased at the school and brought from students' homes. And later was learned through video surveillance and observations by adults. Uh, these children were mixing this stuff up. They were wetting it. They were licking it off trays, off each other's hands. They were eating it. Uh, drinking it directly from straws. It just was a kind of a hot mess, I guess would be a term to use for that situation. Uh, but again, once we started learning that, it certainly made sense, but it took a little time to, to get to that point. Because um, again, we had, we, we had a lot of EMS units out there. We had a lot of concerned people. We brought out, we actually had uh, some emergency room doctors out there trying to figure out what was happening and to keep all these kids from flooding the hospital. Uh, so there were a lot of moving parts and pieces, but working together, we were able to figure out what finally happened. And again, no plan exists for something like that. It, you know, it was an unexpected for sure, but we had good partnerships. We had good communications. We all quickly established command and were able to work together through that scenario. So that afternoon, uh, we did have to conduct a multi-agency press conference with the health department having to talk about their investigation and I won't go into great detail, but we had to send samples off to labs in Raleigh. And that's all I've got to say about that uh, to really do some testing that had to take place. And as you would expect, uh, we had an organized professional press briefing and walked through what happened, but uh, some parents and community members were not happy with those results and maybe even felt like there was lying or covering up taking place. Um, even when, again, as I said earlier, we're trying to be as transparent as possible and really tell them everything that happened. I mean, obviously you can't go into specifics on personal medical conditions, but uh, everything was laid out there, but just some people were not happy with that. 
The next day, the, half the student body did not show up at school. And not far after that, um, there was a school board meeting where even I had to get up and the health director and others kind of talk about what happened. And, and still some parents expressed concerns at the school board meeting that, you know, no matter what information came out, it was just never enough. And, and, and everything I'm describing, I think Brent was at every single one of these also. So I'm sure he has some input. Yeah, Brent, from the school PR perspective, how did you respond and how were you part of that communications strategy? Well, you know, my, my first thought was, what what is happening? Explain this again. And I think that was parents' thought too. It, you hear these details, you, you get a little frightened about where, where this could go and what this could mean. Our practice is to really try to communicate with our parents first and community um, news media second. We want our parents to hear what's happening from us. So um, when we got to the scene and got to be part of the command center with, with August and that team, I mean, it was really trying to think through what could we share that was factual, truthful, and and necessary for them to know at that point in time. I mean, we did several parent updates through the afternoon. Um, and then behind that, we may share a quick media update. Um, but that all led up to a formal press briefing, which, which August talked about. But um, we were really trying to think through all of our methods of communication and what pieces we need parents to know and trying to help um, August and team figure out what they needed from parents because obviously they needed some things like history. Um, there was children that needed to be picked up. There was children that were um, with EMS or, or, or in those types of situations. So we really worked through what things do we need to share with parents in a timely manner and quickly um, to help the situation as they move through the different investigatory pieces of it. Um, so our focus was parents first and then share something with the community as we could. I mean, it all kind of built through the day. But again, we worked with these agencies, like August said, through the following days because there was lots of follow-up messaging um, that had to come. And the key was just trying to keep um, folks surprised of what we were doing as it was happening and moving through and keep them um, involved in, in real time as much as possible. This has happened this time. You now this is what's going to happen. A full update is going to be here and those types of things. But uh, back to the plan discussion that he mentioned way early on, this is something you, you would never think to plan for. Um, so this was a unique situation for us, but it helped us learn how to think through something unplanned, I think in many ways. You know, it's it's like so many situations we deal with, you know, they're dynamic and, and every incident is a little bit different, but because you have those relationships already in place, you can navigate it together. So I think that's a really kind of important uh, takeaway from that story. Our conversation is just getting started. Stay with us. You're listening to School PR Drive Time. Today's show is sponsored by Granicus, bringing organizations closer to the people they serve. Engagement HQ by Granicus is the world's leading community engagement platform, purpose-built to move beyond the vocal minority. Engage parents, teachers, business partners, and the community at large through courageous questions and meaningful answers, turning community input into valuable insights and reducing the time to a decision. Learn more about Engagement HQ at granicus.com. Welcome back to School PR Drive Time. Now on with the interview. August, go ahead and give us, um, you, you have one more example you're going to share with us. 
Uh, sure. Another kind of unique incident where I was, um, you know, we flipped the coin and I got the PIO position for this incident. But um, so another incident was in, in, in 2020. And I'm telling you this because you can look them up. We've actually had a couple of these, but this was actually right before COVID-19 started to, to impact the United States, which changed all our lives for sure. Uh, normal week, I was the on-call duty officer for emergency management. We always have someone on call 24-7. And so I was the on-call duty officer for that week. Uh, my pager goes off about 3 a.m., obviously woke me up. And we get notified on any major hazmat incidents, major tractor-trailer events, things like that. And this was for uh, a cattle truck that had overturned on Interstate 40. And, and this, our pages come from the 911 centers. And so I had to respond out there. And obviously, when you're anytime you're responding to an incident, you start to try to visualize and think, what am I getting ready to look at? What are things we need to do? What's getting ready to happen? And, and in my mind, because uh, we've had similar things before with pig trucks and chicken trucks and turkey trucks and all kinds of other unique trucks uh, that drive around, especially late at night. Uh, I pictured a truck on its side and some cattle rock walking around it. Um, so upon my arrival, it was a large, you know, 50 foot long tractor trailer, double decker size with over 50 cattle and all of them were still inside of it. Um, and I'll just basically say this led to an all day long multi ANC over a dozen ANCs, a very complex and technical rescue and recovery of all the cattle because the inside of the truck is almost like a house and the flooring went out and so the cattle were piled on top of each other and you know i'm not going to go into great details but it certainly had some very unique challenges and things that we had to struggle with and one of the concerns with this incident is we don't want uh, an injured cow to kick a responder or run over a responder or hurt something because obviously they're the animals are panicked and scared too so there's things you have to do so the, again this response took dozens of personnel from over a dozen agencies we had to have state representatives on scene and insurance representatives and what i thought was going to be an hour or two ended up being eight to nine hours um i was selected in one of my roles there was to take on the PIO role, uh, as there was a very large media presence there. And this was due to a bridge that was overlooking where we were at. And we really could not close that bridge down. And also this event, it was almost like a sideshow because the public could stop and watch and videotape. And, you know, as we're standing there, people are sending me links, a video of myself as people live stream and post video and pictures and the media was, you know, live streaming things. So we, and, and some of this, and I had to explain it to the media did not need to be viewed publicly, you know, there, and they agreed to that. So um, I did end up conducting several press briefings that day uh, because one, we did not want to allow the media, they wanted to go down there and we were not going to allow them to come down there. Um, and so even for B-roll or anything like that. So we just, we agreed to do this to keep them informed because I will tell you any event that involves animals gets a lot of attention and traction very quickly. 
And I think you have to consider that uh, even on a school campus, if something happens with animals, you, you've got to kind of up your game a little bit almost. And also the media had a lot of very technical questions and we had what are called large veterinarians on site that deal with cattle and livestock. And, uh, you know, I would try to get them answers and bring them back for things that I could not answer. So uh, some of the media was a little shocked by the fact that some of the cattle had to be euthanized. Uh, that had to happen out there on the side of the road because they believed and some people public believe that, you know, the animals were going to be loaded up and taken to a veterinarian's office somewhere. That this thousand pound animal is going to be moved to the vet's office down the street, which is, which is not accurate. And those euthanations uh, were conducted by large animal experts who have a lot of experience with cattle and livestock. So I had to be very patient with the media and explain things multiple times again and again. Um, and again, the media did not have a lot of experience with some of the things that we had to talk about and go through and that they could see happening. So I would have to go back to the scene, come back multiple times. But again, that's, you know, it's our job. It's okay to tell the media, I, I don't know, but I can try to find out for you. It's okay to say that. And that was really, a lot of times I feel pretty uh, prepared for interviews and briefings that I think I can answer a lot, but th that was one example. I, I really had no clue about a lot of this. So I had to, I had to find out. So, and, and as I said earlier, uh, it's just important to note, any story that involves animals will get a lot of attention. So I think with this one, just, um, the fact of having to do multiple briefings, there are some people who would believe that some of that's a waste of time with cattle, but, you know, we did not take that stance. So we do multiple briefings, had to do a lot of information to bring back to the media, which you could do in any type of event or incident. You may not have all the answers. And um, I will say it's kind of important note to show how important this is to people. <clears throat> Excuse me. Later, right down the road on the interstate, someone paid for a billboard near the crash to honor the cattle that were killed in the crash. Uh, these were cattle on the way to slaughter, but someone wanted a billboard to honor the cattle and they did do that um, because this again is important to people. And unfortunately, we've had in that same spot a couple other cattle truck and pig truck incidents. So we, we can't say this was a one and done. Uh, these things can happen again, but but that was really a, a first for me. Uh, I'm pretty comfortable on a lot of emergency responses, but that one was a little bit out of a lot of our comfort zones, but we had people there we were able to bring out who did have the right answers. And, and kind of in listening to you um, tell that completely off the wall story, because who, who, who would have thunk? But um, I think one takeaway that I have is it's really important, you know, if your cameras are rolling or you're having discussions with reporters, it's it's okay to say, I don't know, but I can find that out for you. And I think it also shows how unpredictable some of these situations can can be because you just never know what's going to get people's attention. And and this this got everyone's attention. And so all of a sudden the, the response really needs to be very, very coordinated, very measured um, and very, very thoughtful.
Well, thank you so much for, for this conversation. I really feel like I learned a lot. And obviously you've, you've uh, had a lot of experiences and I appreciate you sharing those with us. August Vernon, the director of the Forsyth County Office of Emergency Management in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Thank you for your time today. And Brent, thank you for co-hosting with me as well. Thank you. Thanks to Granicus for their support of School PR Drive Time.